Welcome everybody out there to Divorce Devil 25. Pete and David, Reflections of Being Divorced Years Later, or alias the Armchair Divorce Quarterback. So what are some of the things, Pete, that you've thought about that you wish you could have done different? I've got quite a few things, but I'll let you start with one of yours. So what's the topic again? (laughs) (laughs) The topic is military preparedness. Reflections of being divorced years later. What are some of the things being divorced? You picked a good one. I know. You did. What are some of the things that you wish you could have done different? Hmm. For example, I'll start. So I wish I could have been more less angry. Oh, I think it um, weighed a lot of my decisions more so than being angry. So that's a good one. That's very nice of you. Probably if I could have been more angry. (laughs) (laughs) Just the opposite. Yeah, and I only say that because um, I gave in a lot. I think I gave in a little bit too much. And I don't know if it would have. It it wouldn't have made the relationship better, but I kept thinking, well, if I just give in this one more time. If I just give in... Just the you just wanted to time. be easy. Just wanted to be over. I said, of, yeah. And in my mind, I rationalized that eventually, you know, it would stop. And I was wrong. It just kept going and going and going. And I kept giving in and giving in and giving in. But then every time I, I stood my ground, for lack of a better word, it became an argument. An argument that never ended. It would just go and go and so go and go. So it was just go. like the Energizer Bunny. Yeah, and so it was tiring. It was such a tiring time in my life because I just wanted peace. And, you know, reflecting now, I probably should have sought that peace sooner rather than later. But then, you know, there's the, at least a time when I was thinking about it, the, ch- the kids, you know, the children. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, man, if I say something now or I do something now or whatever, I don't want to be too quick to to make a decision because what would happen to the kids? So I always put the kids before me and you know that I don't think I should have done that. I think you do that to a certain point. I think that I want to mine over quicker and the lack of patience and the anger, I, I think worked against me. Um, like I said, I think I gave in to a lot of things because I was angry and or wanted to be over because because mine lasts 18 months. Oh, you gave in too? Well, that too. And I wish I would have been more informed. Mm. That's a that's a big one for me. Uh, now, it, it would have been it, it, it would have ended way different than it did. Big time. How, how did you want to be informed in what way? Oh, lawyers. My lawyer wasn't that good. Uh, it turns out that. My lawyer actually knew her lawyer, and they were just trying to get it done. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't have my best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. That kind of hurt, and I ended up paying more alimony than I should have and this, that, and the other. But, you know, that's all water the bridge. But still, when you're going through it, I wish, even though I went to divorce recovery, I, I, I wish I would have gone to divorce recovery earlier. Right. And I would have had the tools to cope with it better because cause it's a, man, it's a, I mean, it's a gut punch. It is. A huge gut punch. It, it doesn't matter if you hate her, you never want to see her again because you're breaking up the family. Mm-hmm. The family unit's being broken up and then you feel sorry for the kids. Mm-hmm. But 
But now we know that kids are more resilient than we give them credit to be. Sure. I mean, they are resilient. Sure. Big time. Yeah, that definitely would, um, I mean, for some of the things, um, I think the time that you stay together and the children see you arguing and um, they don't see mom and dad hugging anymore. It's counterproductive. Is, and yeah, yeah. I, I think that that does probably as much damage as um, the breakup. But then once the breakup happens, um, they they see a lot of that strife go away, especially when they look at you and, you know, after you get through all the tough hurdles of oh yeah, the turf hurdles. trying, trying to figure out where am I going to be now? You know, and you're always worried about the kids. It's, you know, it's not easy. I think that we should worry about our new reality because the kids new reality is going to come no matter what. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I said, they, they, my, my kids, your kids, I think, most kids are resilient. You know, there's some kids out there that have a hard time with it and don't really bounce back. But I think on average, most kids are resilient because they want their parents to be happy. Like you said, they see you guys happier apart more than together, and they finally get it. Like, it, it took a while for my kids to get it, but they got it. You mm-hmm. know, I never got the, why don't you and to get back together? I never got that. I think for the... um the advice I'd give to anyone who'd be willing to listen about how do you deal with a difficult marriage or a difficult long-term relationship is um, you almost kind of have to accept that there's going to be a moment in time where you're going to have to just face the reality that things aren't going to get better. And that's hard because how do you put a timetable on that? But if you don't, you're going to do like what happened to me and go years and years and years with always hoping Keep that eventually it. it would get better. And hope is, hope is a big one, Pete. Hope, hope is huge. Hope. Mm-hmm. I think hope keeps us together, gets us in trouble by keeping us together. Human condition of hope. You just can't lose it, I guess, but there has to be a point where enough is enough and different people have that different point where enough is enough, but it's, it's, it's brutal. I know for me, I always thought that it would get better before it got worse. I mean, it's for some reason in my fantasy world, in my head, it was, well, this ain't really that bad. You know, there's a lot mm. more relationships out there that are just horrible. And this is not a bad one. It's it's wow. sucky at times. So I kept trying to, I guess, rationalize the situation. And I shouldn't have. I should have done what I needed to make me happy. Because in the end, she's the one who left, so she did what she needed to do to make her happy. But in my opinion, she waited a long time because it seemed like she was never happy. You know, mm-hmm. only the first over the first 10 years, it seemed like everything was like, wow, we're really going to make it. We made it to number 10, you know, with just some little arguments here and yeah. there. But after that, it, it just, just off, got just boom. worse, 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 worse. And I just um, I needed to have more courage, and I needed to think Clearly, I wasn't really talking to anybody about it. I just kept this in myself. You know, had I known you, I could have talked to you about oh, it. Oh, yeah, I would have had you straight up point. And you would do have this, said, man. Do here's this. the deal, here's the deal. And I would have been like, oh, yeah, you're so right, you're so right. They and would have I, called me Geppetto. <laughs> <laughs> What's your name? Geppetto, baby. <laughs> but I needed to hear that. And I guess if um, if people have some close friends that you know, see everything for what it is, they should listen to them and go, oh, well, you just don't know so-and-so. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah, they they know them, especially if they've been your friends for a long time. They know both of you. Well, 
Yeah, different though. You know, you got the single friends, married friends, divorced friends. You know, there's True. three separate groups. You know, the first two have no clue most of the time. The third one is like, dude, this ain't going to work for you. Mm-hmm. I see it coming down the road. You know, mine actually pulled the trigger and she actually did me a favor. You know, at the time it was like brutal. I said, why are you doing this? But now I sit back being the armchair divorce quarterback that I am because I'm 16 and 0. Um, <laughs> going through it now, it's like, man, you you did me a favor. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it was like, man, this is nuts. Yeah, I thought the same thing, too, in the um, DRW, um, the things they talk about, about finding yourself if you were lost, you know, while you were in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And now you, some folks find find themselves <laughs> wondering who they are. You know, who am I now? And what, what are my interests? You know, instead of thinking, what's the interest of the person that you're with or what you what you used to be as a what you thought was a complete family, and then now you find yourself alone. Um, I think those exercises were really good because if you can tell someone that while they're in a tough situation, maybe do like you said, take the take the class or yep. take a class like that, then you can start saying, "Wait a minute, I am missing out. I'm I'm not living the full life. I'm almost you know confined to some sort of weird cage in a way because inside that cage, it's work." It's yep. it's family. Maybe you can sleep when you can sleep, eat some food, and That's it's it. a continuous oh, cycle. Yeah. Continuous, and, and you feel broken. Yeah, uh, you you know you feel worthless, broken, and everything's your fault, no matter what. Mm-hmm. But you know, you know they say like like that last class of divorce recovery. That's when Kendra did the the uh, Hershey Kisses, mm-hmm. the the chocolate, and she says, "Change your new reality. Uh, move the furniture around." Go take an art class, dance. I mean, she came up with a lot of things that, that you could do to get you out of that funk. And you're in a funk, man. I mean, you're in a huge funk, and you cannot climb out. And, you know, the single married friends, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? You know, they have the best intentions, but they don't know. No. They don't know. You know, but people have been through it. It's like, dude, man, you need to do something. Mm-hmm. Let's go watch some McGregor get his butt kicked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... I always like listening to the counselors talk about, um, you know, you, things that you used to do before you got married, mm-hmm. and somehow it disappeared and you don't do them anymore. Now you have a chance to go try it again, whatever that might be. Or the things your spouse didn't like you to do. Mm-hmm. Mine didn't like me to eat. <laughs> this was really interesting. To eat? No, eat uh, Italian food. Oh, really? Yeah, she said. Italian food's uh, great. Duh. <laughs> she said, uh, you know, you really don't, you know, you know, your body doesn't smell good when you eat Italian food. So for years, I didn't eat Italian food. Aww. As soon as I got separate, <laughs> Italian food every night. Stanking. Stank <laughs> <Garlic>. booty. <laughs> garlic. Every freaking night. I take a bath in garlic. Because it was all me. You know, that was my new reality. And, you know, there was a couple of things she didn't let me or didn't want me to do. And, and you know, to keep the peace, I did. But but every one of those things, man, I just phew, better be glad I don't have money for a motorcycle. Uh-huh. I'd have it right now going up and down the street. Boom, 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 boom. That, so that was one of the things that I was kind of like a hobby when I was younger. It was um, like dirt bikes, mm-hmm. you know, motocross racing. And um, I let that go and I didn't really think about it anymore of what made me happy what did i like about being on a motorcycle 
So back in 2015, I had a chance to get a Harley and it was a little bit pricey. Um, not crazy, but for the condition of the bike, which was almost mint and the price, it was just like, wow, if I'm not, if I'm going to do this, this is the time I need to figure out how to do this. And I figured it out and I got it. And it was like amazing to be on it for the first time. It was almost like a dream. I was like, wow, is this really happening? I'm really on wow. a motorcycle, you know, and, and I own it, you know, because I paid cash for it. So it's like a new reality. And it was a new reality. And then I was on the bike and I'd, you know, go into the house and I'd open up the garage door and is it, yeah, that's it. I really did buy it. There it is. You it's know, like the Geico commercial. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I started really riding it. The first year I put 5,000 miles on it. The next year I went to Sturgis. It's just like, wow, this is yep. so awesome. And Excuse I didn't me. do that. I didn't do that when I was married. I didn't even think about it. And, and it's just made me feel so like alive and free. Let's not forget that your daughter rides dirt bikes. And my daughter rides for, <laughs> that's right. So you transfer that energy to her. Say, yeah. Hey, honey, ride this dirt bike for daddy. Daddy misses it. And she uh, she loves it. And going out there to the track with her and watching her like spin all around and have a good time with all the other kids, it's really nice. And and we're relaxed. That's the one thing that's really, really nice in the house. It's There's no tension anywhere. Oh, man, tension is huge. Tension. It's just oh. really quiet in the house. We still laugh and joke, and we do homework together, and, you know, we go to the store to buy groceries together, and it's just everything seems so peaceful. But you don't realize the tension you have until it's gone. Yeah. I didn't you, realize you know, it. It's almost like a missing link. Mm-hmm. Link in the chain is like, man, that chain is different. The chain is oil. The chain is smooth. The chain goes 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 smoothly. But prior to that, man, it's like clankety clank, clankety clank. And it was breaking off. No one said anything. There was silence. No. So because you know the arguments and things like that, and and it does affect kids. There was that one uh, facilitator um, panel where where the lady asked me. She said, uh, "When when should you tell your kids you get divorced?" I said, "Man, your kids already know." Your kids know you're having problems. You mm-hmm. can't hide stuff from kids. I mean, kids are smart. Even mm-hmm. the little kids. Mm-hmm. Oh, your kids know. They definitely know, and they can tell. And, I mean, for the beginning, after their mom left, um, you can tell the kids were kind of always, like, looking around a little bit confused. Mm-hmm. And I was always the same with them. And it took a little while before they started going into a little routine. They needed to kind of break out um, of the atmosphere that was set by their mom. You know, it was a more tense atmosphere. And by the time my son went off to college, he was his own man. He was relaxed. He was confident. He was sure of his direction. And um, it was just really great to see because he was able to finish up all of high school. Yeah, all of high school, part of eighth grade. um, Without her. Without her. And, and, And he... Is doing really great. He's driving by himself. He's doing great in college. He's writing for the school paper. Oh, cool. And, you know, he was one of them, including his sister, that, you know, kind of grew up in a household where there were a lot of arguments, you know, yep. and, and there wasn't. You want to you wanna wish that there was love, but, you know, the love part where you really feel deep down inside that the person across from you that you married is really, you know, completes you. But instead, it turned into something where they change. You just wanted to like, can you just go away? Yeah. yeah. 
So I, I got a big question for you. So what do we do as men, as divorced men, divorced men to show our children that love is still viable, that love is still available? That's that's one of the things I don't I don't struggle with, but some things I, I think about sometimes. Plus, coming from a divorced home like you and I do, this is the, we're like second generation. Yeah, yeah. I, I think for them, I mean, it's a they just need to see that you've gotten through the hurt of being alone, gotten through um, the really hard times. Uh, you know, the arguments and all the strife and the strain of a relationship that wasn't working anymore. And then if by some chance you do meet someone, if by some chance there is someone who will accept you with all of your flaws, with all of your hurt, um, just accept you who's, who you are eventually. Um, not that you need to marry that person, I would say, but just that you can actually be with someone who cares about you and you care about them and start there. And it's not easy. No, it works. Some people, not as in terms of our situation, I think that some people give up too easy. Yeah. Like it's almost like a fly by night uh, marriage. Yeah. I think, I think that's true too. Um, relationships that, um, I think that happened very fast instead of before you get to know someone. Um, I kind of think that's what it's like on some dating websites. Uh, I've never been on a dating website, but stories that I hear, you know, you meet somebody and, you know, you're already like spending time with them a lot really fast. And, and you're then, in love right away. Yeah. And then it kind of burns out as fast as it started. And then you're like, Oh, well, they're just not the right person for me, even though their profile said they like hiking, they like biking, they like, you know, uh, walking, podcasting. Yeah, podcasting, whatever it might be. And then when the reality hits, they're like, oh, I don't even like you. And then they're together for two months and then they break up. And then they go, you know, both of them go back on the websites and try again. But they probably didn't give it a chance to grow. No. No, I think, I mean, I, you know, one thing they do, oh, you pissed me off the way you turned your head. Oh, my God, you pissed me off. I'm done with you. You remind but, me of my ex. <laughs> that one never, hey, never, ever bring up the ex on a date. <laughs> I've done it. You've done it. Never, ever bring up the ex on a date. I think, People. So, oh. I think sometimes when it happens, it's because you just want to vent and you haven't really spoken to anybody about your issues. And so. Well, yeah. You probably, I think, I think what for guys, for guys, guys need to vent with a girl, not necessarily a girl that they're seeing, but just someone of the opposite sex. And then the girls should vent to a guy, you know, a friend. Yeah. Just get it all out. Get just it all out. Get over with. Get drunk or, or, or punch a bag at the gym while they're with you and just say what you need to say. So this way, when you go on a date with someone who you're really interested in, you don't bring that up because you already got it out mm. of your system. Well, I think also, too, you don't want to seem like the bad guy or girl. You know, mm -hmm. you know, you say, hey, I know you divorced. Why the heck you divorced? You know, they gave that look. They don't uh -oh. ask. Uh-oh. But they gave that look like, what's what's wrong with you? Nothing's wrong with me. It was all her fault. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So. Let me, let me tell you about it. It's almost like a badge of courage <laughs> where, where, where we take that badge and, you know, and it becomes like a vomiting session where, where we tell them, let me tell you about it. <laughs> 
Now, if you run into a girl that has also had a bad marriage. Oh, yeah, man. You guys are competing. Now you have something to talk about. <laughs> something in common. You have something in common. Oh, man. It's almost like dueling banjos. Let me top that story. Oh, I got a better story than that. And in that, hopefully you can laugh about it and then just get along and eventually you'll stop talking about your exes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but sometimes it comes up and, and, you know, it's like diarrhea of the mouth, man. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just, so why are you divorced? Like, oh, she opened that door. Boom. Mm-hmm. And it's over. Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult to, to not want to talk about it, especially, I, I don't know, I think talking about it is a process. It's a heal, part of the healing process. Oh, yeah. Negatively and positively. Mm-hmm. But to not to your kiddos. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I've tried... And I think I've done a good job not to speak ill about my ex in front of the kids. Right. right. Now, I can't promise you other places I haven't spoken ill, <laughs> but I can promise you I've not spoken ill in front of them. I think the uh, I think a, a good part of if you're able to do it when you're healing and healing. Don't you, say the forgiveness letter. As you know. Don't you say it. No, no. I was going to say healing it just, for some folks, it can happen quicker than others. And for others, it could be years later and they're still talking about what a terrible time they went through when they were married to so-and-so. Even though they haven't, so they haven't moved on. No. And some want to carry that cross a little oh, bit man. longer. But I think the, a, a good way, if, if like I was beginning to say, to, to help forget is to involve yourself in something that just kind of takes over your life and you're just so busy, you know, whether it be helping other people or you take on a, a, a big project or whatever it might be and you just like throw yourself into it and you have no choice but to forget because now you're dealing with new experiences yeah. and, and you don't have time to dwell into the past. You're looking, what do I have to do next for this, whatever it is that you're involved in? I think one of the things that that's helped me and and, and you've done it too is we both facilitated divorce recovery. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going through is, is one thing, but facilitating it, it's like, wow, you know, I got these people depending on me, show up every week, talk to them about their divorce, you know, seven weeks. I hope they go through the seven weeks, hope they feel better. And it's so cool to see that transformation from week one to week seven mm-hmm. and how they change. And, yeah. and that used to be us. That's right. Yeah. And that's part of the, that I get a lot out of it at the same time just being a, a facilitator yeah it's like man that's awesome that you actually help somebody over the hump and then you became a facilitator because you were one of my students mm-hmm. scary <laughs> and uh, you became a facilitator and did your thing and it's you gotta give back mm-hmm. it ain't a money maker yeah by far and you do extra things too like isn't it coming up now you're gonna start finding coats for people oh that's right oh thanks for reminding me yeah, that's right. I think that's awesome. Brown bag swag. You find so many coats for for folks who don't have anything for the oh, winter, and they need it. It's because Sunday's going to be six degrees. Because you got to have an Mm-hmm. All right, Mr. Pete. Want well, to thank you for coming by. That was fun. That yeah, was quick. It was Bang. quick. We've been cool. talking for what nine minutes? Yep, two weeks. <laughs> All right, Pete. Want well, to thank you for coming by, and don't be a stranger, and be out there, be safe. Bye bye.